0: You're listening to episode three of Eight Minute Movies Knives Eight, a podcast talking about the 2019 movie Knives Out in 8-minute chunks, presented by me, Kieran, and him, Peter. This is a sequential podcast that contains spoilers for Knives Out. So you should go and watch it first before listening and start the podcast with episode one. How are you doing, Peter? I am doing
1: okay. Uh I am excited. I tell you, I'm excited. <laughs> All right. Um, what, what what brings you such excitement? Well, you know, I'm excited because uh, something's been announced, something that I'm very happy about. I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, Is it Easter? No, Easter has been apparent for a long time and okay. no longer <laughs> excites me. Okay. Wow, that's harsh <laughs> Uh can't, can't even get any eggs
0: Look, I had my egg weeks ago, <laughs> it's fine oh, oh, how how can you confess to that on a recording? <laughs> that you got your egg and you ate it months before Easter Not months, like a couple of weeks ago There's no law Oh, well, well maybe there's not, but there should be Anyway,
1: uh, <laughs> I am excited about about monkey island that's yeah what I'm excited about. uh and the reason i'm excited about it is because it was well we've talked about formative experiences on this uh, podcast yeah it's, in, in it's the past. usually
0: mine uh, because usually yours. Um, because <laughs> yeah. you 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 emerged fully formed from the natal sac at the age of 27 um but but yeah yeah if if, if you've got something you know
1: well, well. in your case, your formative experiences are things that no child should witness. Bad movies and knives. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> in my case, probably maybe the most formative thing for me as a little child of the age of about 10 um was the secret of Monkey Island, which I played on my little Amiga computer mm. when I was growing up? Um, I had a uh, my, my parents were teachers, and uh, one of the other teachers at the school my mum taught at, um, uh, her husband wrote hints for uh, for an Amiga game magazine that I read called uh, Amiga oh, right. Action. Wow. Under- under the pseudonym The Boggett. He wrote grumpy little
0: hints. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. I like that.
1: I I thought it was a very cool job at the time. Mm. And uh, so just once or twice, I went round there and he'd show me a game or two. Mm. Uh, And um, he showed me the beginnings of Monkey Island 1 and 2 Mm. uh, when I was around there. And... It was unlike anything that I'd seen in a game before. Because at the time, mainly what I played was like platform games and little action games, and yeah, nothing that had like people talking in it and making jokes and things like that. At, mm. at most, you maybe get a few kind of uh, screens of story at the at the beginning, and that would be it. Uh, and so it was really fascinating to me that there was these characters that moved around and talked mm. and had seemed to be involved in some sort of story because i'd never seen anything like that before and uh i immediately begged my dad to go out and buy uh monkey <laughs> island 2 actually right uh, because uh in my head you'd had to get the latest one with the biggest number because that's how games worked you you want the newest that's, and best one
0: that's weird but kirk i i can i can see your logic yeah right
1: like i i had uh, when I had my Nintendo, I had Mega Man 2. I never yeah. bothered with Mega Man 1, uh, and I never <laughs> no, felt it, the need to. Makes sense, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't know whether he sensed that I would probably get more out of playing the first game first, or whether he just realized that the first game would probably be cheaper, because <laughs> um, it had been out for a while at that point. Uh, but he persuaded me to instead uh, get the first game and so he uh, so so i got the secret of monkey island and i have loved that series ever mm. since and i yeah. it really got me into adventure games and also it 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 got me into the idea of making music as well because they got really mm. good soundtracks and uh i would say they contributed in a in a huge way along with the, the other adventure games by by LucasArts
0: in, in making me want, want to write music. Which of um which of the games is the one that has the uh the adaptive soundtrack stuff?
1: So yeah, that's the that's the second game. So it has this really clever system called iMuse. And uh the the way it works is that so it's just midi the the sound is just midi and <coughs> uh it, within a midi file you can leave these little things called uh system exclusive messages and uh they just talk to particular usually bits of hardware saying oh, that this hardware needs to know this thing to do a certain special effect that that's hard- that hardware is capable capable of or whatever mm. uh, but they used it to to help control the music in their game engine by saying, uh, okay, so this scene... Let's say you wanted to end a piece of music seamlessly, no matter how long the uh, the character had been moving around in the scene. Well, what it would do is when the scene ends, it goes, okay, we need to end the music now, so wait for the next system-exclusive message that's hidden in the MIDI file, and then that will tell you which ending it will be appropriate to go to from that point (laughs) Uh, and uh, so they did cutting things like that Uh, Mm. they did uh, things where one piece of music would transition really seamlessly into another piece of music as you were walking around an environment it was really clever stuff really advanced for the time Mm. and uh, even now you don't really get uh, soundtracks that do a lot with that. And they used uh, iMuse in other things as well in in more limited ways. So you get the same sort of effects in, uh, in in stuff like X-Wing and TIE Fighter that lots of people played. Um, but uh, this was probably the most kind of... Monkey Island 2 was probably the most uh, thorough implementation of iMuse.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that sort of um, adaptive soundtrack stuff hasn't really been used except fairly recently in um like you know sort of open world or st- sort of stealthy at first person games where um like when you when the fighting starts the soundtrack will kick in with all these beats and then um fade out as you kill the last dude and it seems a lot clumsier in some ways than um the monkey island soundtrack I would say, say yes and no at this yeah. point,
1: but because uh, I would, uh, what one thing that I've noticed recently is a lot more attention is being paid to mm. the kind of production values of adaptive soundtracks. And you're starting yeah. to get... Uh, and just with the also the, the available space that you have in a game, games have got a lot bigger, you've got a lot mm. space to play with, and computers have a lot more processing power to handle... Yeah. Complicated music stuff going on <laughs> in the background uh, and overlapping tracks and things like that that you'd need to set up a good adaptive uh, soundtrack. So you're seeing a lot more of it now, and also mm. a lot in a, a lot of times uh, in smaller indie games that are designed with kind of adaptive sound in, in in mind. That's used in in various ways. So you, you do see it nowadays, but for a long time, I think. It, it was genuinely the most advanced kind of soundtrack that existed in video games, <laughs> uh, I, I think, just way past uh, way past the 90s and into the 2000s. I'd just never heard anything else like it. It's just so impressive, the way that it's done. So uh, And just the music on its own as well is, is really well done. It's three composers called Michael Land, Peter McConnell, and Clint uh, Bajakian. Bajakian? I don't know how you say that. Um, that surname, <laughs> but uh, it's very influential on me in a lot of different mm. ways. Uh, and a sequel has been announced.
0: Yeah, that's that's the excitement that you that we were getting to uh, several 40, weeks fourteen ago. minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, this is going to be Monkey Island. F- oh, it's not, is it? There, there already is a Monkey Island Four. Uh, there there are five Monkey Island games in existence. In fact, um, am I getting this right? That the, the fifth one is like one of those. Uh, I'm gonna say compartmentalized games because I can't remember the right word. Episodic games. Yes, that's right. <laughs> they <laughs> fully compartmentalized. If you know what I mean. It's one of those severed games. <laughs> uh, <laughs> foreshadowing. We, um, we have to... Uh, no, it's it's not foreshadowing. It's, it's weight bait. <laughs> oh, yes. I can't remember whether we looked that up and it turned out to be something terrible or not. Um. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> y- Yes, so uh,
1: that was an episodic Telltale game. I thought it was pretty good, that one. Mm. Uh, the fourth game was the first... 3d one which mm. i do not like so much i just don't think the the humor holds up really mm. i don't think the plot holds up and i think uh, and th- this is true of uh, of the episodic one as well i think the 3d has become extremely dated at this point <laughs> uh so it doesn't look as nice as the other ones mm. either uh uh so uh the key bit of information here is that the, the first two games were uh, led by the series creator Ron Gilbert. yeah. Uh, and after he made those two games, he left Lucas arts and went off to form his own company and do his own things. Um, and they, after that made some more monkey Island games. The first one was uh, curse of monkey Island, which was generally well received. Um, not everyone loves it, but I think it's a pretty solid game in the series. I do have a few quibbles about how they use certain of the characters and hmm. it's maybe got a, a weaker ending compared with some of the other games in the series, but it's, it's a good game and I think it, it holds up pretty well nowadays and it introduces as well. Some of uh, the characters in the series that are rather well liked and um, but this new game that's been announced uh, called Return to Monkey Island, uh, which amuses me because that's always been the rumored title of whenever there's a rumor about a new monkey island game people assume it's going to be called return to monkey island
0: uh didn't Uh, they um (laughs) also announce it on april Fool's day Uh. (laughs) yes (laughs) Uh,
1: so it's being led by ron gilbert again and uh it was announced on april Fool's day (laughs) on his blog which is what he said he was going to do something like eight years ago he said something like <laughs> if i ever make a new uh, monkey island game i'm gonna announce it on april full day day and then he did that and it went largely ignored <laughs> yeah. for uh for the few days after that until he put out a trailer as well for it and made it <laughs> official
0: <laughs> that's that uh, oh i i take my fucking hat off to you for, okay. uh, for for trolling your audience so aggressively yeah
1: i mean i might have thought that it was real actually when um uh, uh if i'd have known about that post but it kind of went silently by nobody uh, paid any <laughs> attention to it because it was april the first um, and also the other reason that it kind of passed by is because nobody seriously thought that he would do it and the reason for that is the the way that he's talked about doing sequels in the in the past, that he would only do it if he had the the rights to Monkey Island, which just seemed vanishingly unlikely to happen because, mm. uh, well, first of all, he never owned the rights. He did it when he was an employee of LucasArtsuit. so it was, yeah, they, they were never his rights to own, even if he was the uh the the creator. So right. there's no kind of path to getting them back he never had them you know yeah. um, and secondly you know um, uh, Disney acquired uh, Lucasfilm and all of its <laughs> oh, companies oh, uh, yeah. and Disney do not uh, Well, l- l- for a start Lucasfilm do not give up rights and <laughs> uh, uh, Disney double don't <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so it was just never going to happen so but he'd occasionally Talk about what, how he might do a Monkey Island sequel if he if he was able to do it, and mm. it was always a bit of a disheartening conversation because you know, it, it, I always felt like oh you, but you've you've made it so impossible for yourself to to uh, to make this sequel that you're just kind of toying with people yeah. by talk, uh, <laughs> talking about it, uh, and also the way that he talked about it in the past as well, he kind of wanted to, to carry on from. Uh, Monkey Island 2 and ignore the things disregard the other (laughs) games and I kind of get that impulse but it also it always felt a bit to me a little bit disrespectful of the work that other people had done on on the series Uh, and I don't think it was intended to be that way Mm. but it it, it rubbed me a little bit the wrong way and the other thing is that it was all about what he would do and he very rarely talked about who he would bring in and I Mm. think it the really important thing about monkey Island is that there are so many very talented people who were involved in those first few games and, and the subsequent ones as well, uh, that, uh, I wanted a bit more acknowledgement that if he was going to make another monkey Island game, he would need some help from these people (laughs) to make, to actually make it a monkey Island game. He is not the whole of what monkey Island is. um, and so when I first saw this, I was immediately kind of interested, but also just a little bit wary because I was like, okay, what is this actually going to be? So, to, to keep this short, too late. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the noises that I'm hearing at the moment are really encouraging. Uh, mm. So, he's brought on board uh, Dave Grossman, who is another person who is one of the original programmers and writers. Yeah. on the early monkey island games there's no mention of tim Schafer, who was also one yeah, of Yeah three. was I was,
0: was going to ask because mm. um he's um like fully owned in perpetuity by microsoft now isn't he Right and maybe there's some complicated
1: stuff with doing it because of that or maybe uh, he's got his own project at the moment and he just is not interested in revisiting yeah. this at the time who knows mm. uh i think his voice in all of this will probably be missed. I think it's mm. quite a major part of uh, of Monkey Island. But having two out of three, um, it's not bad. It's not bad, as I believe someone once said. <laughs> um, uh, and also, they have brought back all of the original musicians, uh, the three I mentioned earlier, mm. uh, which is really impressive. Even uh, so, tales of monkey island which is the episodic one only brought
0: back uh, compartmentalized i believe uh
1: yes yes seven um <laughs> <laughs> uh they only brought back michael land and uh, michael land's really great uh, and all of the three composers are really great but i think it's going to be a much better soundtrack with the three of them together uh in, in the way that it hasn't really been since um uh since monkey island 2 i think the three of them actually worked a little bit on escape from monkey island the fourth one the 3d one um Mm. and that what that did have a really good soundtrack actually so i think they did all contribute to that one but this feels like it's a bit more of a kind of overall collaboration between the three in the style that it was in monkey island 2 and that to me is really exciting
0: see um that's sort of pops an interesting question into my head uh i mean like you are a a composer um famously uh a a game music composer how how does it work when more than one composer works with another composer um i mean is it is it just you, you divide the labor of all of the songs across the three of them or is it like a you know they'll go back and forth with each other trying different things i um I, I don't know
1: i i'd say it's a bit of both there mm. are um they're they're all sort of performers as well and they come from a kind of performance tradition so part of what they do is they'll like they jam together and stuff in like a a, a little band uh, and mm. they did a bit of that actually in the psychonauts two soundtrack they work together on one of the oh fantastic so um uh peter mcconnell is the main person for the soundtrack on that but he brought in them as kind of musicians to work on, on on music for one of the levels um so they kind of did a bit of collaboration on that already um So it might just be that they're kind of riffing on each other's ideas, but um, Mm. the main way that they worked on uh, uh, on Monkey Island Two, as I understand it, is they each had like they were each assigned an island. So for the bulk of the game, there are three islands that you're exploring, and uh, uh, I believe it was Michael Land did Scab Island, uh, Mm. Peter McConnell largely did Booty Island, and (laughs) Uh, uh Clint Brigian did uh most of Fat Island
0: ask me about Loom uh, um <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry <laughs> um i yeah I, I i i never really played these games um as a, as a youngling um i somehow missed uh, i think the first one i played was 3 the is the start of 3 where you're on a boat shooting a cannon at pirates, go- like skeleton pirates in little boats? Yes, that is yeah. correct. Okay, so 3 is the first one I played, and I was like... It, uh, it wasn't the first point-and-click adventure I'd played at that point, but I, w- I was wowed by how it was basically like playing a cartoon. Yeah. Um, it's so like it's so well-drawn and so fluid and alive. Um, and yeah, the soundtrack is really... Uh, like annoyingly since the moment he said monkey island on this i've had the monkey island theme looping <laughs> in my brain and i haven't played those games that much um <laughs> what one and yeah so oh god let's do let's do the order so um i played three or uh, a friend's house on their computer that was slightly better than my 386 or whatever the fuck it was oh, i was pentium one i think <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um and uh then I I played four, uh, which run like an absolute dog on my my (laughs) computer. Like like uh, Guybrush, you pressed forward, and like six to eight working days later, Guybrush would move. So I don't have very good memories of that game. But I think a lot of it might just be down to the fact that you know, um, it was like playing the game if the computer was on a lunar lander or something you know i'd say se- i would send my signals and hope that they would be received yeah but it
1: also wasn't the best <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm trying to give it the benefit of the doubt here man mm-hmm. i they, um the computer i was running it on i think i think had like a 100 megahertz processor <laughs> it, it was it was below the minimum standard for whatever it was um and then I didn't really play one and two until they remastered them. Like I was yeah. going to say fairly recently, but that's just a straight up ball face lie, isn't it? It Was like a decade ago now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's going back a few years now, but it's not that long ago. Yeah, that the, the, they remastered. You keep them. telling
0: yourself that, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the, the remaster of the second game in particular is mm. is, is very well done. The, the First one, a bit more hit and miss mm. what they did, but uh they're they're worth playing.
0: I, I mean I yeah, I really I really enjoyed playing them. Um I'm not great at point and click adventure games or puzzles in general. So um <laughs> so usually I would end up cheating to some degree. But well I say cheating, I mean like, you know, like going, I have no idea what the fuck I'm supposed to be doing here and then looking up <laughs> like a solution. Um uh, right. which in those days involved uh, contacting the boggart. Um.
1: <laughs> or phoning a hint line is the other <laughs> thing that I do remember doing as a child. Yeah, no,
0: a £9, nine pound a minute helpline.
1: Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't allowed to do it very often, but <laughs> I, I did do it a couple of times to get help with games. But I, I remember for the first game, Secret of Mankind, I had a book that just, was just a walkthrough mm. of the game. I don't, yeah. don't even remember where I got it from they- by...
0: They still steadfastly publish those, even though the internet exists now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah. Now, Monkey Island 2 had difficulty modes, so you could play ooh. with fewer puzzles in that oh, mode.
0: Yeah, there's another uh, Ron Gilbert game that he released, like a long time after Monkey Island, uh, Thimbleweed Park. Right. Yes. And I played through that, and I. Um, Uh, I put it on easy uh, at the start and I I didn't realize that that would just literally cut out whole sections of puzzles like um, it just simplifies like everything. But weirdly, it leaves the stuff for the other bits of the puzzles in your inventory. So it's it's like easier in some ways, but just more baffling. (laughs) <laughs> like, like, like you'll have a spoon or something. Like, like I reached the end of the game with like twenty or thirty things in my inventory. I'm like, what are these for? Like, I, because I didn't know that it had cut out sections of the puzzles. And like a a year later, I happened to watch someone playing it on a stream or something. I was like, the well, fuck me! That's, you know, that's that's what you're supposed to do with the fork or whatever. Yeah, I I,
1: I didn't actually play Thimbleweed Parker mainly because it's. Tr- evoking that kind of maniac mansion era yeah. of graphics that i'm i'm just not that nostalgic for i kind of came in a little bit after that yeah uh, it, and it so, looks
0: it looks dated um
1: but yeah on purpose uh, and i i just wasn't it, it didn't hit the right nostalgia buttons for me i hmm. guess uh but i'm kind of interested in 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 playing it at some point uh but anyway, yeah, Monkey Island, uh, I'm excited about it and it, th- the the right noises are being made. It feels like this is more collaborative, more acknowledging of the subsequent games as well because the trailer has Murray in it, which is a character mm. that was introduced in the in the third game and he said that the way that they've built it, they don't want to actually take thing like that they, they they don't want to undo the work of the subsequent games. Mm. I don't know exactly what that means because apparently this is going to Pick up from where Monkey Island Two left off. Uh, mm. So, so that's com- that's very confusing to me. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I guess we'll, we'll we'll find out what that means soon because it's coming out this year.
0: Oh, that's exciting! I I, th- I think we should live stream you playing it for the first time. Maybe, but let's, l- let's figure out how to do that. <laughs> I just want to be left alone and play my game. <laughs> <laughs> I I know that's 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 why I'm I'm opening you up to to public scrutiny. <laughs> yeah
1: like like many a monkey island game before it it is being uh it's got a brand new style a brand new art style mm. that's uh, by uh rex Crowell, who um was responsible for a game recently called Knights and bikes which was a oh, very yeah, level yeah. game yeah a uh, little co-op game. Uh, we should play that at some point as well. It's good.
0: Nice. Yeah, I, I have. I keep meaning to play. it. It's on my Steam wish list, and I I keep, I keep not not buying it. This yeah. is. A, know, let's cut this out. I... <laughs> So the
1: new game has what looks like we haven't seen very much, but it looks like this kind of fairly striking storybook style, which is quite a departure from the previous game, and I suspect might end up being a little bit controversial. But I'm here for it. Uh, it uh, to me, new Monkey Island game, new visual style has been a thing since forever. Even the second game looked quite different to the first game. Uh, so I, I'm I'm happy to see the new style. I know I know that. Uh, Rex makes great stuff, so uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to how it all comes together. So, yeah, Monkey Island.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that if you're of a certain age, you kind of have a, a, a formative point-and-click adventure, I think, and mm-hmm. um, for you it's the, the Monkey Island series, uh, but for me it's uh, it's Full Throttle, which is also another uh, LucasArts game, but it's a um, like a standalone one. It never got like a series or anything. It nearly got a sequel. Really, I I didn't know that. Okay, so uh,
1: it got a it nearly got a sequel in 3D called Full Throttle: Hell on Wheels, and you can find a trailer wow. for this if you if you look on the internet if you want to see what the sequel. I do. Be like. <laughs> uh, but it was after um, Tim Schaefer had left the company, so it had nothing wow. to do with him. Uh, and people thought that it might be bad and that seemed to be confirmed by at some point later they just kind of quietly cancelled it and said uh, said yeah we just don't think this is (laughs) up to the standard
0: that it should be oh well they're probably good it didn't get a sequel then uh but yeah i mean i I really enjoyed it You, you you uh played this gruff motor bicyclist i can never biker i guess (laughs) like i think um, that's traditionally called bikers yeah yeah, why do i why do i default to being a victorian gentleman about these (laughs) things um Um, yes the motor bicycle (laughs) (laughs) you you default to the velocipede rider benjamin (laughs) (laughs) um and um it, it it's set in some sort of post apocalypse thing some sort of mild corporate post apocalypse thing I, is it cyberpunk it's si- it sort of is and um there are gangs of bikers and you lead the you play ben who leads the polecats and um you are set up and implicated in a murder like literally the first thing that happens in the game um and you have to uh you know solve the murder uh clear your name and get your bikers out of jail and and it was just an amazing game i i loved it uh- <laughs> yeah full right. throttle's great i was gonna say and and full throttle is actually the subject of of one of our other aborted podcast ideas
1: um we were drawn at the memory bank I yeah that one yeah where
0: where we were oh how how did that work it was like i play like 20 minutes of a of a point-and-click adventure game that i've played at some point in the distant past and you laugh at me mercilessly for not being able to remember what to do with hoses and things
1: no the concept behind that podcast was that we both stumblingly try to remember everything that happened in the game right up yeah. to a certain point uh, before we're allowed to actually play it and confirm how
0: accurate our memories were Oh god, yeah. I remember we did two episodes, and uh, then then we forgot forgot any more episodes. Yeah, we were yeah, quite far through it. <laughs> oh, let's 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 do it for the uh, let's do it for the Patreon. We can uh, we can bring that podcast back.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I I really enjoyed it. But uh, and I think uh, I think it was a tad easier than some of the others because I got a lot of the puzzles myself. Yeah. Um, I. I can remember three puzzles that I needed help with in the game that I looked up the solutions to, which by my standards is basically not doing it at all. <laughs> well,
1: at the, at the time also, it was considered sh- very short for an adventure. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't a long one. Yeah, than, than the other LucasArts ones, but yeah. it doesn't really feel that short to me nowadays no. when I play it.
0: I, th- I think another thing that people weren't that keen on on it was that it has combat sections, which are not uh, usual in um um, point-and-click adventures.
1: Yeah, they're combat sections, but there are also kind of puzzles around them as yeah. well. So it was kind of... It, it was a perfect storm of just confusing people yeah, on you, what they were supposed to do. Uh,
0: yeah, um, again, I remember the combat sections. because, Like, it literally... Uh, you know, it switched to a different EXE, like to to do the combat sections, and I remember them never playing that great on my uh, terrible old computer. But like, obviously, they do now because you know, <laughs> right? Computers those... got more good <laughs> in the meantime.
1: Because those sections um, used the uh, engine for a game that called Rebel Assault, which was like a really? Star Wars
0: all this shit. FFB was like... game. I okay oh this is the episode where I'm genuinely startled by you knowing a whole bunch of nerdy stuff that I don't
1: <laughs> <laughs> in the 90s uh, like being a nerd around Lucasarts games was <laughs> basically my internet
0: life. <laughs> I, I never played Rebel Assault because it probably wouldn't have worked on my computer. <laughs> uh, I think I played the
1: demo, but I was never that interested in playing the game.
0: Oh, um, I, I've got I've got I've got a full throttle fact for you that you already know, but listeners might not know. Can I say it? Go on then. So, um, there was a section of the game, uh, that got cut uh where ben the biker that you play eats peyote and goes on a trip in the desert and um that thing that whole concept which got removed from the game because it was too tonally out of place i guess uh is what gave tim schaefer the idea to go on and make psychonauts and psychonauts too no you you knew that right yeah i did know that yeah i uh i uh that that's my full throttle fact thank you for listening to the full throttle fact podcast um (laughs) 40 minutes in we haven't mentioned the show yet um (laughs) hey i just did (laughs) yeah nice nice a mere 37 minutes of us general (laughs) rambling before you do do you remember that oh in the mid-season break you you said that you someone had sent you a tweet saying if um if if i'm listening to a podcast about something and i have to wait more than half an hour for them to get to the point and uh, i'm gonna stop listening and i was like well we feel feel particularly both called out and attacked by this
1: (laughs) yeah it was something (laughs) like if uh, if you're still doing your hilarious intro banter uh by the time i finished walking my dog i don't care how interesting your podcast is i'm gonna stop listening yeah this podcast is probably
0: not for that person even if yeah they have no a good point. um <laughs> maybe maybe i should add track markers to the to the exports so uh, so you can, you can skip the intros <laughs> <laughs> no we shouldn't be catering to that sort of monster the point of podcast is to listen to untrained idiots gibber about nonsense for hours and that's the hill i'm gonna die on so before we get back to knives out do we want to go on a completely separate digression um I, I, do you know i i think we should maybe save the completely separate digression for the next episode Good idea. All right. Yeah, okay. Um, because because then, then all that stuff that we said at the end of the last episode will make even less sense than, yeah. than our, our usual rambling nonsense.
1: So we've been weight-baiting this one for a while, but uh, <laughs> I suppose it's to gently encourage you to watch Severance <laughs> so that when we finally get around to talking about Severance, you don't need to worry about being spoiled by anything <laughs> we say
0: it's a good show you can get a free trial of apple tv to watch it or you could already be an apple tv customer i guess um yep, then,
1: there, yeah There there are certainly methods to watch that program <laughs> those,
0: those are the ways i guess yeah um oh podcast what's the what's the next bit i, I mean we haven't even got out of the introductory section of the podcast
1: <laughs> I, I think I'm supposed to ask you how you are at some point during. Oh this? yeah, like you no. Get grumpy if I don't do that. Yeah, like yeah. you
0: haven't been doing that, and like you know, it just mm. it, it. I don't. I just write it down in my little book of times that you have offended me.
1: Oh, your your little book of grievances.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's that a quote from?
1: Um, Is it a quote from something?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It just reminded me of something. It might be a quote from you. Um, Well, it is. Yeah, this podcast is getting increasingly deranged. Come on, on, lads. Get back on topic. Um, um, So this podcast where we break a movie up into eight-minute chunks, watch it in eight-minute chunks, um, the movie we have selected this time is Knives Out. We're in the third chunk of Knives Out. Um, We're trying to cut that little description down as quickly as possible um so there you go little 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 sentence uh the more i talk about the fact that we're trying to cut it down to less time just increases the yeah i i have negated any benefit in (laughs) in stay in doing it shorter by over explaining it
1: yeah it's um it's very self-defeating but on the other hand it does
0: um contribute to our hostile listening environment (laughs) Uh, Another thing is that we have these bells, and we may ring them at certain times. That (laughs) is true. That's that's the best explanation of the bell game at this point.
1: (laughs) All right. The words that we're listening for to ring the bell are knives. No.
0: (laughs) No, It's not even knives! You don't even know what the
1: words are! I'm not cutting that. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say knives and out, but that's not true. It is thing and
0: out <laughs> uh, i no you can't just say it like that because uh eventually by like season five we're gonna have spelled out some sort of weird psyops code phrase all right well um... thing out inside <laughs> <laughs> uh oh no uh, yeah no with the thing out then we got back to the future so we will be back
1: <laughs> great uh, yeah we're basically constructing as, a, as I think I said last time a system whereby it's going to become increasingly difficult to <laughs> say anything in this <laughs> podcast
0: just me and him sitting in silence and every time someone takes a breath the buildings like terrified a... even to form a sentence hang on a second I need to look up a name like a fucking Ingmar Bergman movie <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, let's, let's do it. And let's, let's not do a serious burning Mark Bergman movie. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, this section of the podcast, please. We're back on topic. You t- 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 take the dog around the block another time. He needs it. He's fat. Um, let's not, let's not talk about the thing. It's, it's part of the podcast where I talk about something. Peter, What do you want to hear about? Uh, I don't know why I'm giving you choices now. You, you have no choice in the matter. Ryan Johnson? Yeah, Ryan Johnson, the writer and director. Ryan Craig Johnson, born December the 17th, 1973, is an American filmmaker. He made his directorial debut with the neo-noir mystery film Brick from 2005, which received positive reviews and grossed nearly $4 million on a $450,000 budget. Transitioning to higher budget films, Johnson achieved mainstream recognition for writing and directing the science fiction thriller film Looper from 2012, to critical and commercial success. Johnson landed his largest product when he wrote and directed the space opera Star Wars The Last Jedi in 2017, which grossed over $1 billion. Christ. I think you're legally obliged to read that number in that fashion. Mm. He returned to the mystery genre with Knives Out in 2019, earning an Academy Award nomination for Best Original Screenplay. Knives Out is the film we're talking about in this podcast. That's true johnson has said he was inspired to become a film director after seeing woody allen's 1977 film annie hall it moved me in a way that few other films have moved me that's something that i pray to god if i am able to keep making movies i can only hope 20 years down the line maybe i'll be able to approach he also directed the somewhat controversial episode of breaking bad fly followed by 51 and ozymandias which received high praise from critics
1: I did not realize that he'd done that Fly episode. I remember that episode of Breaking Bad.
0: Yeah, that, that is a weird episode of the show. Um, uh, are we allowed to talk about Breaking Bad? It ended like a decade ago. We are. Um, yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah it, go, go watch it if you like. It's quite good. Best TV series of recent times, I guess. A lot of people said. Um, yeah, it, Walt is in, a, in his lab. Uh, and he won't cook meth because there's a fly in there, and he's worried about contamination. And he spends all of like you know forty five minutes of the episode trying to kill the fly, increasingly not doing it and going slightly more mad. Mm. I remember enjoying that episode. Uh, <laughs> uh, I go on. I was going to I I'm not sure if I did, but it's been so, it's been a while <laughs> since I watched it. I certainly uh, remember it, and that's important, I guess.
1: The other thing that I will say, I'll. Uh, uh, put my cards on the table here, and say that uh, the Last Jedi is my second favorite Star Wars film. Ooh, what's uh, what's your first favorite? It's possibly my equal favorite Star Wars film. Actually, <gasps> my uh, uh, my
0: first favorite is probably The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, nice, 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 good choice. Um, I liked it, but it it, it is very different to the others, so. If you were kind of went into it expecting more of the same, um, I can t- doesn't justify any of the hate or abuse or anything it received, but I can yeah. sort of see why people were like, "Oh, this is different." But you know, sometimes things are different, and uh, a TV, uh, a movie that's like a, a sequel to one that's nearly forty years old may not be for you anymore. It might be for your kids. Think about that.
1: Yeah, and hey. <laughs> Empire was also a bit different at the time with its yeah. dark ending and yeah. not everybody liked that not everybody no. appreciated uh, M- Empire at the time but I they feel didn't like have the are... internet <laughs> exactly but I feel like there are some parallels there maybe <laughs> maybe that's something to do with why I really like them both. They were, <laughs> they, they were both in different ways kind of surprising and interesting and mm. just tonally a, a surprise and just did things that I didn't expect yeah uh, And I, I just really enjoyed both of them. And it really, the more time has passed, the more pissed off that I've become the, (laughs) uh, the third film in that sequel series just basically rejects the whole thing and just kind of undoes all of the little kind of nice things that it, it set up for a sequel.
0: The th- the third film is a bit of a train wreck. <laughs> yeah, it the th- the third film is them just going, oh no, no, don't 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 go away, Star Wars fans. Look, we've taken away the bad things that you said. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I mean, uh, John Boyega was done dirty by the Star cool. Wars people. I mean, fuck me, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like. Oh, oh and yeah not to mention kelly marine tran who plays uh, rose um mm. who has quite a big part in the second movie and at the third in in the third one she appears at the start and is like i will not be appearing in this film and walks off and that's it and i was like wow yeah <laughs> and just the whole
1: premise of it pissed me off like oh, oh but but palpatine's back now i guess shrug it happened during Uh, a game of Fortnite.
0: it did Um, Um,
1: it's just so it's just such nonsense it just it it feels it feels like it's trying to
0: be a a course correction that i
1: never asked for or wanted
0: do you um do you remember how we agreed to stop stop this digression and now we're talking about how star wars is bad
1: yeah, well, look, look, last <laughs> week I said that I've got some last yet. I'm
0: Yeah, that's true. material that's true.
1: to go through and uh, there it is. I <laughs> think it's a, uh, I think it's a great film. I don't think it's a perfect film, but I think it's a really really good Star Wars uh and one of the only recent ones that I would describe as really really good. I kind of like I, I I thought episode 7
0: was fine. Uh maybe I, um maybe next week we can talk about how i think rogue one is great and you think rogue one is bad Uh, i i just don't think uh, (laughs) i don't think it's great i don't think it's bad (laughs) uh dear uh rogue one is the um is the halo reach of star wars movies (laughs) you uh you don't know who these people are but you know how their stories are ending (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> I know that I know that film works really well for some people and I respect it, but it, it just didn't quite work as well for me.
0: The actually the only thing that really pisses me off about Rogue One is that Lego didn't make the little cargo transporter thing um as like a Lego set. I oh, even yeah. I even tweeted them and said, make this, I'll give you money. <laughs> <laughs> What
1: and they didn't immediately yeah, they, do they, what they you didn't said? Yeah,
0: no, they they didn't then rush to production. <laughs> yeah, weird. Well, it just goes to show that you know, you're not always right on the internet. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what point I'm making here anymore. Let's move on. <laughs> Should we get back to the shit? <laughs> yeah, you, you can't call it shit. <laughs> <laughs> You can't, you can't, you can't insult the listeners' time like that. I think the fact that we're an hour into an hour-long podcast about a movie and we haven't said a fucking word about the movie proves that we are fairly indifferent to insulting the listeners' time. Look, if they're
1: still listening, they've got no idea what's going on anyway. So
0: <laughs> this is the um, this is the Animal Crossing of podcasts. We've got a lot of shit we're going to say, and you can't skip any of it. But there's some there's some fun at the end. Maybe there's a, mi- a fishing mini game. <laughs> There isn't. <laughs> All right, so now I'm going to answer your questions from the previous episode, Peter. And the only question you had was, uh, "Is it flan or flam?" Which, Mia um, uh, culpa, it's flam with an M, flam. Okay. It's just, it's just that you know it goes by quite quickly in the movie, and I'd written flan in my notes. Okay, fair it's, enough. It's flam. It's um, it's a lifestyle brand that promote self-sufficiency while emphasizing human need or whatever that that was from memory right. so that was like- <laughs> well i feel vindicated <laughs> well you fucking shouldn't and <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and now we're gonna review your answers from the previous episode mm-hmm. so you said if you were watching this for the first time who do you think the murderer is and how did they done it And you're you're you were still sticking with Linda and the knife, um, which sounds like a prog rock album, um, because she seems uncomfortable with the whole interview process. And wants it like wrapped up quite quickly? And uh, and we have what happens next. And you said Harlan is basically firing Walt to go off and do his own things uh, because he says he's been too controlling of Walt's destiny. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to be introduced to Marta.
1: Yeah, so I, I feel okay about these answers. Uh, the only thing is that the in- introduction to Marta uh, comes quite late in these uh, th- th- this next eight-minute chunk, and uh, there's a few more motives that get established at this point, which I didn't quite remember the order of.
0: Yeah, and with that, it's time for us to watch minutes 16 to 24 of Knives Out. All right finishing his flashback conversation Harlan tells Walt it was unfair to keep him tethered to his work so he couldn't make something of his own and that he's not going to be running the publishing house anymore oof that's this uh, this scene is hard to watch (laughs) Yeah, I can see why they say Walt looked like a kicked puppy for the rest of the night Mm. Walt incredulously asks if his dad is firing him and Harlan says they'll talk details tomorrow and calls him a good boy um
1: <laughs> with a little kind of pat on the cheek, yeah,
0: yeah it's a, it's a pat it's a pat like you know he, he's he's supporting his son, but also his mind is made up
1: <laughs> right, as he says um and he it and Walt doesn't even really argue with it. you sort of get the sense that he understands that it's not going to yeah. do
0: any good to to <laughs> debate his father on this. <laughs> And uh and back in the present, a clearly moved Walt says that they had a discussion about ebooks. Walt is is not as good a liar as Richard is. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think that's um, fair to say. <laughs> I, I have a note here that says is this our first outright lie to the police? <laughs> <laughs> Um, or oh, is it? Or as we junior detectives call it, a motive. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. This is what's
1: happening over these next several minutes. Is that we're just getting a whole mo- bunch of motives mm. established in a row? I guess. Yeah.
0: It's it's like watching the start of three Columbo episodes all at once. Yeah. Uh, or the rare trilumbo. <clears throat> Walt says that Ransom had an argument with Harlan, and that Ransom is the black sheep of the family that Harlan always supported him, but that had a blowout argument that night. Um, This, interestingly, is a visual effects shot because uh, they realize that they're sitting there talking about Ransom and uh, Ransom will not appear for some more time into the movie. So um, they edited a photo of the family, Richard and Linda, with Ransom standing behind them and they comped it into the shot uh, so you'd know who Ransom was, even though he hasn't appeared yet. Right, okay. And I did not pick up on this when we saw it in the cinema. It just looks like a re- like an actual shot <laughs> <laughs> rather than a green screen thing.
1: Hmm.
0: In a flashback, we see the whole family interrupted by Ransom storming out of Harlan's office after arguing with him, although we can't hear the words.
1: Yeah, and uh, this kind of deflection towards Ransom here, even though we haven't really met the character, mm. it, it feels so overt. Uh, yeah. That I it automatically made me less suspicious of <laughs> ransom at this point, which is perhaps deliberate.
0: Yeah, that's that's also a a, a thing in this genre of yeah. fuck you. That's yeah. also an instance in this. Um... <laughs> Oh, I don't remember now why I settled on "instance" to replace the the forbidden word, <laughs> <laughs> but but I guess I'm sticking with it. Uh, yeah, that's that's also an example of um, something that's common in this genre of movie, where um, <laughs> where the, there'll be there'll be one person who's uh, highlights as as the murderer <laughs> throughout, who it turns out is just naturally very shifty. Yeah. The the immediate example that pops into my mind, although they are deliberately overplaying it because it's a comedy, is is hot fuzz, where um you've got Timothy Dalton playing um playing Mr. Skinner, the manager of the local supermarket, who um the first thing he does when he when he meets the new town policeman is say to him, You've got to stop me, I'm a slasher. And he's like, What? Of prices? <laughs> And who then subsequently turns up at every every murder or accident scene in the movie immediately after it's happened, acting really shadily. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my personal favorite is um driving by the scene of a fire while listening to fire. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's 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 often sort of deflection, as you say, to a character who um, may or may not actually have done it.
1: <laughs> right, yeah, and here it's just so overtly Walt just saying, hey, look at suspect yeah. this man uh, <laughs> that I, my, my brain just said, well,
0: it's not going to be that person then, probably. Yeah. <laughs> We cut back to Richard with Blunk saying that he knew he was there early to help the caterers and asked if he spoke to Harlan in his study then. Um, Richard lies and says that he didn't, but Blunk has spoken to the caterers and knows that he has and uh, that Harlan was heard using the phrase, you tell her or I will. In a flashback, we see Richard standing in Harlan's office. Harlan shows him photos of him kissing a woman who isn't his wife in a car. Um, this uh, this location here, Peter, the Harlan's little office thing, uh, real location or set? First time we've seen this room?
1: Oh, yeah, it's, as I recall, it's fairly small, but there is a window. A- I, th- I think there's a window to the outside in it though i feel like so i'm gonna say it's real you can you can make windows <laughs> i i know but i feel like they would have framed it differently if, if there was going to be a prominent window this is a it,
0: real location in yeah. the ames mansion <laughs> um this scene makes me personally very uncomfortable because uh, harlan has got a windows xp laptop um, oh. he's, he's, the film set in 2018 and XP was discontinued in 2014 Jesus Harlan up your opsec come on <laughs> i I don't think I noticed that
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh god um uh, another thing that's got interesting going on here and will probably come back later is uh Harlan's got a signed baseball that he basically uses like a fidget spinner he keeps hmm. uh, like flipping it over and over in his hand while he's talking like agitatedly. Mm. And uh, Harlan then explains He's written everything in a letter to his daughter And he'll give it to her tomorrow Unless Richard tells her tonight You tell her, or I will mm. Back in the present Richard hastily prevaricates Is that the right word?
1: Yes it's, It doesn't prevaricate mean To go back and forth On something
0: Yeah um, uh, What's the word for you when you like Dither but then make up something quickly. I think uh, this is the closest I've got. I'm just going to go with it. Sure. Back in the present, Richard hastily prevaricates that Harlan has decided to put his mother in a home and that his wife didn't want that, hence the you tell her or I will. Uh, I've got a note here that says, I said prevaricates, but that's not the right word. What's a word for quickly making up a lie? Uh, which is just a, uh, just a conversation we had and I've edited out of the podcast.
1: Hold <laughs> well on. I'd have gone with invents. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the thing is i know there's a p word like uh, listeners if you know a word that starts with p that means to lie quickly about something (laughs) write in right email us (laughs) yeah tell us what
1: word would have been better than prevaricate
0: i can't believe i called myself out in my own notes
1: (laughs) Regardless though, I think it's it's not a terrible excuse for one that's made up on the spot. He needed to yeah. think of something that would plausibly could have resulted in him shouting you tell her or I will. Yeah. But is not important enough that he might not have forgotten about it
0: later, mm. you know. Or and not important enough to kill Harlan over either. Exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a really good like off the cuff lie. Mm. But also, uh, we kind of glossed over it in the description, but he is not a good liar. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a lot of like flickering around the face for like the first couple of seconds, and he's like, "Oh yes," <laughs> and he kind of like draws out the amount of time you know he needs to come up with the lie. Mm. Um, so he seems very shifty. So not perhaps not that great a liar for someone who's actually cheating on his wife.
1: It's got a bit of the same uh, energy of um, uh, Blackadder trying to explain away great booze up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a deep cut, <laughs> Blackadder. Can you explain yourself? Lengthy pause. Yes, I can. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, God. oh, that is that is classic. I love that. The pause of like maybe 45 seconds where you see his, ma- his face working and he's thinking <laughs> about it. Oh, fuck. <clears throat> we cut to Joni, who was also at the house earlier, to see Harlan about a mix-up with Meg's tuition. In a flashback, we see Joni talking to Harlan, who explains his accountant has noticed that Meg is double-dipping. The school is being paid tuition directly, and Joni is also taking a check for the same amount hundred thousand dollars a year harlan says he's cutting her off he'll pay the tuition this one time but no more and no more allowance for Joni.
1: yeah and he uh once again here says uh, something like my mind's made up and mm. it's all for the best very similar to the way yeah. that he was uh talking to walt earlier uh and i think it's the first real hint that we get that he's these things aren't necessarily happening all around the same time by coincidence, but he's doing a bit of cleaning house at mm. the moment.
0: Yeah, I—I would say personally, of all the things Harlan does here, I think cutting off Meg's tuition is probably the worst of the lot. Yeah, because me. Meg doesn't even necessarily know about this. Yeah, she, yeah, she's got no truck in this, so you know. I were I a reclusive millionaire who <laughs> I I would have, I would have let her finish the college degree and then said that's it. But mm, you know, yeah. I don't know morals. I guess what even are they?
1: <laughs> yeah, I I think she can probably afford the college tuition.
0: Probably. Ah, that's um that's an interesting point. Um, Joni doesn't get quite as much screen time for, um, maybe she done it as, uh, as the rest of the family. Um, but she does in deleted scenes. Right. Okay. Which we, which we will be talking about later. And we will, we will, we definitely have more to say on the matter of flam.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, Elliot says we should have a little break here and I agree. And, uh, <laughs> leaves. She bumps into Linda who's looking for Richard. Yeah, it's
1: fair enough that at this point, um, twenty-two yeah, minutes into the show, yeah, we've just established several motives in a row. Time for a break. This moment where she bumps into Linda as well, who uh, and Linda is clearly only interested <laughs> in speaking to Joni to the
0: extent at which uh, <laughs> to which she can. Say where Richard is? Yeah, it's like it's like. Have you seen Richard? And she says no, and starts talking, and, and Linda is walking away. <laughs> yeah, just a really nice character moment. We we cut to Richard hiding in Harlan's office. He pries open Harlan's desk using a letter opener and removes the letter to Linda. He opens it, and it's blank on both sides. Hmm. Did you notice anything about the letter as he turns it over?
1: Did I notice anything about the letter? Uh, th- there was like a some sort of thing on the front of one of them in a circle. I didn't really pay attention to what it was, though.
0: Yeah, I'd, me neither. I, I don't remember what that is. I think it's just a seal of some kind. Um, okay. That's it. No, there's nothing about that. No, no. Um, as he turns it over, you can see a sort of faint uh, reflection on the paper where the words are written.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't. Yeah. I did not notice that. No. So,
0: I mean, I didn't notice it in the cinema at the time. But, like, as I think we mentioned last time, that I'd, I'd sort of twigged already, like from what from what Linda said that this was going to be an invisible ink thing.
1: Yeah, um, I think I'd kind of put that together as well the first time uh, that that I saw it. But it's interesting uh, that he's also got no idea about this game between Linda and Harlem. This is just, a yeah, com- I had about private thing between them.
0: Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that, but um, they, they don't share much as husband and wife, I guess. Yeah. Um, plus, also, I'm very pleased they went to the effort of making it an actual invisible ink letter. Mm. Like, they could have just had it be a plain piece of paper, and no yeah. one would have been ever the wiser, would they?
1: Yeah, I suppose not.
0: <laughs> Richard thinks that Harlan was calling his bluff. He picks up Harlan's baseball from his desk and somewhat churlishly throws it out of the window of his office. Hmm. I wonder if that will come back to haunt him. <laughs> <laughs> Almost immediately. <laughs> Outside, Wagner, Elliot, and Blanca leaving. Elliot is sad that the case doesn't seem that interesting. He's like, uh, what's the line? So like, oh, I... I uh, I, if I ever thought the great Benoit Blanc would be working with me on a case, it would be something more interesting than a just a suicide.
1: <laughs> right, yeah, he's just sceptical of the whole need for this, I suppose. Mm. Uh,
0: blank picks up the baseball. Um, I think um, we're, we're setting up the chain of comeuppances for Richard, right? <laughs> Very early, as you said. Yes. Yeah. Um, the baseball toss was actually a fairly late addition to the script as Ryan Johnson had to figure out a way to get Linda to go back into the study. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and ultimately, she will be returning that baseball to the hand thing on Harlan's desk where it lives.
1: Yeah, I didn't. I, I suppose I've seen this film a, a bunch of times, but I never really thought about the kind of trajectory of the baseball and the Mm. and how that kind of neatly ties that little
0: subplot up i I never really thought about that trajectories and arcs are an interesting metaphor for it especially given what blank will be um frothing about later oh yeah uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh, do you want to know what's this is this is possibly my favorite fact about the movie um is that um the windows on that side of the house don't open so um there's a prop guy hidden away against the wall flinging the baseball away from the house trying to make it look like it's coming out through the window (laughs) (laughs) oh the magic of cinema i love it i love it i love it when it's something like oh shit just just have gary stand there and throw it come on you do it
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah sometimes the solutions are incredibly elaborate you have to (laughs) set up special <laughs> camera machinery or whatever <laughs> to achieve the desired effect. Sometimes it's just a guy crouching down and flinging a ball.
0: Which of you can throw a baseball from the wrist straightest? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Blank asks if a slit throat is usual for a suicide, but Elliot says that Harlan was much more dramatic, that he practically lives in a clue board. Uh... Blank is lighting a cigar here, and these cigars were custom made for the production because they're much longer than usual. It's pretty long cigar. Actually, <laughs> they are, they? yeah. <laughs> um, they never really go into why they wanted to give him long cigars, but I guess it's just another of his weird foibles. Yeah, it, like it
1: gives the impression that oh, these—he's uh, not just any cigars. He gets these
0: from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, these are Turkish cigars. I don't, I don't know where cigars come from. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, um. inside Marta waits nervously for her interview staring at the picture of Harlan it's uh it's the the magic changing picture from earlier <laughs> she sneaks to the window to try and overhear the detectives and Blank is peering in at her scaring her <laughs> yeah and like
1: It's obviously suspicious that she's trying to overhear, but I also feel like the audience wants to be on her side already, and that's Mm. probably the point of that earlier scene with her at home. You don't really get that with any of the the other characters, so you're seeing things a little bit from her perspective already. And also, just in general, it feels like it doesn't quite fit the genre of mystery fiction that we're working with for the killer to be... A nurse who is being casually disrespected by most of the family—it just doesn't, doesn't quite
0: work. Yeah, I'm. I mean, the nurse being a killer in this sort of movie is like way up there, but Marta doesn't fit the profile. Right, exactly. Uh, Blunt calls her outside and explains she was hired by Harlan himself. Um, there's there's something here which uh is something you wouldn't notice until like a later viewing of the movie. And even I didn't really notice it until they pointed it out in the commentary tracks, uh, is that, um, we will find out later that Marta has a spot of blood on her shoe. Mm. Blank two seconds after seeing her has a prolonged gaze at her shoes. He uh, he, literally knew the entire time. <laughs> yeah, that does come up later, actually, doesn't it? But I never really thought to to clock that. Yeah, he uh he says hello to her, looks down at her shoes for longer than is necessary, then carries on talking to her. And mm. I, I noticed it being weird, but like he just seems like a weird guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Interesting. So yeah. yeah, as we've said, this is uh this is a spoilery podcast. Obviously we know <laughs> that she is at least involved yeah. uh, and that's gonna be established pretty
0: soon. I like how uh, we said we said she was innocent a moment ago and now we're like she's so- shoes soaked with blood. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh dear and that and that rounds out these eight minutes. Uh, again, awkwardly kind of in the middle of a thing. Um mm. maybe that's just the pattern for this. That's right. Two dings. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, get instance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's just the pattern for uh, the rest of this show. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, w- we we reach the uh, traditional postprandial cigars and brandy um <laughs> section of the podcast um have you ever smoked a cigar uh i i have
1: smoked a cigar on one occasion yeah same it is associated with the worst hangover i have ever experienced <laughs> in my life yeah um, uh, you, you get you
0: get a lot of nicotine uh, <laughs> if you if, if you do it wrong.
1: yeah um no, so not for me a, It's not for me either. And I, uh, I smoked a cigar on one, uh, new year's Eve on the early, in the early 2000. I remember I'd had quite a lot to drink and someone just telling me, handing me a cigar to smoke for, for new year. And I was not sure, even in my drunk state, (laughs) I was not sure about doing this because I do not like the idea of smoking at all. It's just not for me. Um, and, uh, they they said oh, come on look it's just a prop you just uh, hold the thing and uh, and it's just a bit of fun and so i decided okay i will I, I will pretend to smoke this cigar for a little bit um and i did and then in the morning i <laughs> had such a bad hangover it was i almost uh, i considered phoning an ambulance at some point <laughs> it was oof terrible Uh, and it it was it's one of the reasons actually why i i very rarely do like a significant amount of drinking in an (laughs) evening to this day is that (laughs) nothing is worth a hangover like that (laughs) um and so i'm a pretty light drinker nowadays (laughs) um and yeah that and i just remember having this hangover and just having the whole thing made worse as well by just having this horrible cigar taste in <laughs> in my mouth.
0: Yeah. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> mine, um, m- mine was in um, a very fancy hotel in Bavaria, and uh, uh, within a week, I was hospitalised for, uh, I assume, unrelated reasons. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> What a treat. Cigars, don't do them, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Although, to be fair, I think most kids are into vaping now. They're not not like a huge b- branch of children moving into cigarillos. Yeah. Uh, uh, God, oh God, Peter. Yeah. If you were seeing this for the first time, who do you think is the murderer and how done it? Well, you know, I think I'm going to stick with Linda because... Uh, really? You've had two... Fantastic motives lined up for you already. Three, possibly. Yeah, I think, but I think Joni's is still the weakest at this point. I think it's just
1: because those were set up so like uh, it, it, they were they, they were so drawn attention to that, and uh, Linda was still being cagey for reasons that aren't readily apparent. Uh, that. I'm still thinking, okay, there's something going on with Linda that uh, uh, that we don't quite yet understand uh, is probably where my head is at and I don't really suspect Ransom because of what we talked about earlier uh, it just being too lampshaded <laughs> um, and I don't uh, really suspect Marta because as we talked about, it doesn't really fit the profile here uh and uh, and just the other ones it just seems like it the, the all the motors are just too bang on the nose there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing mysterious enough about their behavior that's making me think oh they're they're hiding something that even we the audience don't know yet it's mm. it, it's too everything feels too neat with the rest of the character uh but i'm still in my head thinking why is linda so in a hurry to get this process over with it could just be that she just doesn't want to think about the death of her father anymore. (laughs) that's plausible but is there something else going on there that's i think what why if i was watching for this this for the first time i'd still be thinking okay maybe there's something going on with linda
0: what uh what happens next
1: pete uh, so what happens next is, uh, well, we're gonna find out that uh, Marta uh, throws up when she tells a lie, <laughs> uh, and uh, Benoit Blanc is going to test this, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, successfully, and uh, so I-, I think the way that he tests it is to see if she knew anything about the affair yes and so she's going to throw up into like a, a bowl or something that's nearby <laughs> uh, and uh then we're going to have her kind of more Formal interview where she is going to try and explain what happened, and we are going to find out that there's a bit more to that story. Oh,
0: nice. Uh, that's uh, that you did you did that in the style of a um, of, of one of those Google plot synopsis writers.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't need to because, as we said, this is a spoiler <laughs> po- podcast. Basically, <laughs> at this point, it, it, it seems very much like she
0: actually. Did accidentally um, do the 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 kill? Yeah, it's a it's not a murder. It's a man's laughter. Mm. Sorry, I've only ever seen that word written down. <laughs> <laughs> how are you? Uh, how are you finding the movie here? Twenty four minutes in. Well, I'm I'm really glad
1: that we're looking at this one in detail because already you've uh, kind of shown me some things that were not readily apparent that when I've uh, watched it before and uh, just uh, deepening my appreciation, like the whole subplot of what happens with that, that baseball is an interesting example of that, which I didn't <laughs> really notice
0: when I've watched this previously. Um, yeah. The, the baseball is quite fun. Um, mm. There's a, there's a couple of things in this movie that are kind of just like, um, uh, objects that have their own character arc (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i like that
1: yeah very good
0: so listeners if you have any questions or comments or um you want to tell us that the intro to the podcast is too long well okay not that last one because we're not we're not cutting it uh you can email us at podcasts at eight minute uk, and if you like the show uh and and you think we're wonderful you should tell a friend or like leave a comment wherever you listen to it uh maybe walk off the street into a stranger's funeral and um ask if you can speak and uh give a a lengthy eulogy about someone you don't know about but try and work our podcast into it not in a way which implies that we were responsible for their death i hasten to add that Mm. Uh, just maybe maybe like plug it at the end. Um don't do that. But the other the other things we highlighted are good.
1: Uh if you didn't like the podcast, then just um
0: just just don't do anything. Yeah, if you didn't if you didn't like the podcast, yeah. we're, we're sorry. We tried. You can stop yeah. listening now. You can stop listening. <laughs> you There's you nothing. are free.
1: Yeah in a way, we've just given you back some time that you would have otherwise spent listening (laughs) to the rest of the podcast, so you should be grateful of anything.
0: Um, uh, Should we we summarize the film in in a haiku for the uh, people who don't like this podcast so they don't have to listen to the rest of the podcast or watch the rest of the film? No. Okay, good. Um, All right. Um... I have to go and eat Easter eggs. So uh, where can you be found on the interweb, Peter?
1: Well, you can find me on Twitter and stuff like that at Kestrel Pie. That's Kestrel like the bird and pie like the irrational number. And what about you?
0: I'm Kieran J. Walsh on Twitter, and I think that you should do a jingle for your, uh, for, for your sign-out. I think I think you should come up with a radio st- radio show style um <laughs> like jingle we can just add in at the end. You
1: think I should do that? That's your solution to everything. <laughs> <That's
0: it. laughs> look, look, you're a one-trick pony. You make music. I uh, <laughs> uh Listeners, that's not true. He's an irritating renaissance man. Um <laughs> Good. Everything he puts his hand to. What an annoying fella. Um <laughs> And I too am the master of the backhanded compliment. Uh, <laughs> shall we end the podcast or shall I continue negging you, Peter? <laughs> All right, everyone go away. <laughs> yeah, good goodbye, <laughs> listeners. We we love you. We're sorry about the hostile listening environment. <laughs>